All right. Well, good morning, Docs of Church. You guys good today? Cool. It's great to see everybody. If you are new, welcome again to Doxa. My name is Rob. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, but I want to invite everybody to go ahead and grab your Bibles and find your way to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, okay? We're going to be wrapping up the study of this letter next week, but today we have eight verses, eight verses that I, I really believe that, that God wants to kind of envision us. Um, as we walk through the everyday stuff of life here in Madison together, but just really to encourage us to, to live like Jesus for the sake of the world. And, and my prayer over this past week is that these verses that we're going to look at today, that God would use them and speak to us in such a way that it would kind of turn into like a catapult and just kind of launch us out of this church building in a way where we begin to more and more live like Jesus towards the people of the world just like he did. This is our goal here, is we want to be conformed, Romans 8, 29, to the image of Christ. And so I believe if this happens, like it will change everything. That every time we come to the Bible, we're in this place where God just can break in and literally just change perspective, trajectory, eternities. And so as you get to chapter 16, let me just start with this, okay? As we, as we wrap up the letter of 1 Corinthians, we need to remember... All right, that the Apostle Paul was writing a letter to a real group of people in a real time and in a real place. All right, and he wrote 1 Corinthians. He's, he's writing to people that are just living the everyday stuff of life. All right, he's writing this letter to moms and dads and children and students and athletes and young professionals and lawyers and so many different type of people that are just kind of journeying through their everyday lives, trying to follow Jesus the best that they could, much in the same way that we are doing today here in Madison. And although we are kind of just removed by time and location, the principles and the practical things that Paul shares in this last chapter of 1 Corinthians, even though they were written to a very specific group of people, guys, I want you to hear, they're, they're so vitally important for us today. So important. And as he draws this letter to a close, okay, he ends with, with giving the Corinthians kind of like a view of his future ministry plans, basically his missionary itinerary as he's going to be coming to uh, Corinth eventually, okay? And as he does this, you'll notice in some of his letters, in a lot of Paul's letters, as he ends, he kind of says, now here's where I'm going next. And he just kind of gives like a, a snapshot of his ministry itinerary. And we can come to these points of the Bible, and I don't think I'm the only one in this room, but you, you get to the point of like, we're going through 1 Corinthians, there's a lot of teaching, and then you kind of come to this itinerary of ministry, and you're like, okay, this doesn't seem like it can do anything for me. And it's, it seems pointless. Why read this? And you go on to the next letter. But I want to remind you as we get into this today of 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is breathed out by God and it's what? It's profitable. It's useful to us. And that includes parts like this that we're like, I don't know what we can draw out of this. But here's what Paul does. As he shares kind of his ministry travel plans in an inadvertent way, he gives us a perspective on ministry that we need to know and we need to grab hold of as we follow Jesus. All right, and I want to try and show you this today because I believe that God really wants to use Paul's perspective on ministry to help us become more and more like Jesus and expand our view of our everyday lives here in Madison. All right, so the issue today is ministry. And as we get into this, we need to understand that one little word, Ministry, because maybe you hear that word and you think, okay, yeah, ministry, this is, this is what you do, Rob, 
right? This is your job. You're a pastor. You are in the ministry. And so clearly this speaks to you. This speaks to other pastors. This speaks to people on staff with the church. But Doxa, here's what you need to know. The word ministry may also be translated as the word service. All right? And the truth is, when it comes to ministry or service, this is something that every Christian has been called to. All right, the great pastor, theologian, Charles Spurgeon, he once said that every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. All right, that, that ministry and service is not just something that pastors and missionaries do, but it's something that all Christians are called to because it's who we are. This is who we've been created and recreated for. And this truth is so vitally important for us to know and remember. Because a lack of this truth is why so many churches around the world are dying are ineffective, and why so many Christians today live in a way that is just simply not very Christian. But all Christians are called to serve. And as you read through the Gospels, you look at the words of Jesus, this becomes emphatically clear. All right, is, for example, if you look at Matthew chapter 4, as Jesus calls his, his first disciples who are just working along the shore of Galilee, they're going about their everyday stuff of life, they're just fishing, doing their jobs, Jesus shows up and he says, Follow me, and I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so in other words, Jesus comes to these people, and he says, follow me. I've got a job for you to do. There's something that you have been created and recreated to be involved in. And guys, this is the pattern that we see throughout the Bible, but this is also the pattern with us today. And so the Christians in here, all right, you just need to hear me on this. Jesus, he doesn't just call you to himself, to save you from sin, and then just to hang out and attend worship services and Bible studies and pray a lot until you get to heaven. All right, that's, that's not what he's doing. But Jesus calls people to himself, yes, to be saved from sin and Satan and death and hell through faith in Jesus, but ultimately he calls us to serve, to serve both God and people. And so whether you're called to serve in the capacity of a pastor or a teacher or a mother or a missionary or a bus driver or a garbage man, whatever, whatever you're called to vocationally, we're all called to serve God and to serve people. And so here's how I want you to think about this, okay? You can remember this statement, write it down, but every member a minister. You've probably heard this before. This is really our perspective of what we do here at Doxa, but every member, a minister, that every member of the family of God is in fact a minister of God. This is who you are. This is who I am as a Christian. And so service is what it's all about. And while we all live in different lanes and we all have different functions and different jobs and different vocations, we are all servants. This is how we live. Listen again to Jesus in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He said, the son of man, speaking of himself, he's Jesus saying, I, the son of man, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so as people, doxa, as us, as Christians, people who have been saved by Jesus are being conformed to Jesus, are following Jesus in his words, his works, in his ways, this is the shape of our lives too. Servants. All right, so ministry and service is simply this. It's living like Jesus in the everyday stuff of life towards the people around us. 
Right, and with this understanding of ministry and service, let's read this section, and then we'll get to work with, with applying it and understanding it for our lives today. But 1 Corinthians chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 5 where we left off last week. But here's what Paul says. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing, I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me and there are many adversaries. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you for he is doing the work of the Lord. I want you to circle that in your Bible, the work of the Lord. This is the key part of everything that we're talking about. So he's doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me for I'm expecting him with the brothers. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. All right, so in this thing that we just read, all right, these plans that Paul has for for ministry, we can extrapolate five principles to help us see how Paul viewed ministry and how he viewed his life with God. And as we view this, as we look at Paul's perspective on ministry and his life, I want you to know that this is not meant to be read as kind of like a history book and be like, wow, look at Paul, that's, that's interesting, you know? But guys, this is intended to be an example for us, to help us and direct us and, and shape our view of our lives in service or ministry to the Lord here in Madison. So the first principle is this, all right? If you're a note taker, ministry requires vision. Look back at verse five. I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia. Because Paul has a vision for his life. And as servants of God, as Christians, we need to have a vision for the future in our life with God. Because the reality is, as a Christian who is living in line with Jesus' words of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving others as ourselves, when a person has a view like that, a person has a heart like that, they will be motivated, they will be consumed by God's love and mission, and will see the needs around them. And they will see the opportunities to love people, to love God, to honor God, to serve people that are not yet met yet. They will have these eyes that will see these things. And the reality is, just like Paul, guys, we are surrounded. If you don't know this, guys, I want today to be like an eye-opening experience for you that we are surrounded here in Madison by spiritual and physical needs of people. Do you know that? There are a lot of needs in our world. Paul saw those needs. He saw himself as a servant, ready and willing to meet those needs. This is how he saw the world in his life of service and ministry. And because of his view of his life like this as a servant, he was always seeing ways that he can serve God and people throughout his life. Paul just had this sense of vision and expectancy that God wanted to move in great ways in and through him to help people meet Jesus and find salvation from sin. And his love for God Doxa, I hope this, is, this becomes more and more true of our church and me as a man. But his love for God compelled him to live like Jesus for the sake of the world. Listen to what he says. It's going to come up here on the screen. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, here's Paul's heart 
All right, it's bleeding out onto the pages of the Bible. But this is what Paul says, for the love of Christ controls us. In some of your versions, it'll say the love of Christ compels us. Why? Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. This is Jesus. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. This is Paul's heart. This is, this is the perspective that we just need to be asking God to give us as Christians because it's not just about playing church, but it's about walking with God in the everyday stuff of life with this type of heart that Jesus gives us. And Paul understood rightly that God loves all people, that sin is a real problem, that heaven and hell are real places, that Jesus is the only answer, and everyone needs to hear about him and his gospels. And this, in his gospel, this is the reason and the reality that gave him just great vision for his life and drove him to see the ways that he could serve the people around him. And so he says, look back, I'm gonna come to you. All right, this is kind of the vision. I know you need me, I'm gonna come help you. I, I started this church several years ago, there's problems. I know that I need to come and to serve you, but first I need to go to Macedonia because there's people there who need the gospel too and people there that need me to serve them. But his view of himself as a servant, this gave him vision for how he conducted his life. He had a gospel vision for his life. So Doxa, let me just ask you this question. What is the vision for your life? I want you to think about that. That's a great question to talk about at Connection Group this week. What is the vision for your life? What drives you? What compels you? Like what controls your life? Is it your career? Is it like climbing the corporate ladder? Is it financial stability? Is it making a name for yourself and proving yourself to a watching world? What is it? Is it your kids? Your spouse, just a, a great family? Is it your hobbies? What is it that compels you? What gives you, what's your vision for your life? And as you're thinking about that, I want you to know that every single one of us, even if you're like, man, I don't have a lot of vision, I'm just kind of like floating through life and I'm gonna go to Culver's later, I don't know, that's my vision for the day. But I want you just to know, we all have something that compels each and every single one of us, giving us vision for our lives. But the question is, what is that? What is that in your life? And for Paul, it was Jesus and people. People meeting Jesus because Jesus loves people. And this is what we strive to be about here at Doxa. I mean, honestly, guys, this is, a, this is what I try and fight. As just a man following Jesus here in Madison, I try to fight for this perspective in my life. But it's hard, right? I mean, we would all, if you're a Christian, you'd be like, Jesus and people, sure. Like, that, raise my hand, I, I'm good with that. But guys, is that hard to hold on to? In the midst of just everyday stuff of life, the demands that happen, there's so many things that flood our lives, even good things, that can just consume us, that can get in the way of the main thing of loving God and loving people. Because this is the job we're, we have in front of us as Christians. Love God, love people. Not super confusing. But guys, this is so hard to live in. Am I the only one? Can I get a healthy amen? This is hard, right? It's hard. But Jesus says these are the two greatest things. Love God, love people. It's a fight. And in light of this, I think this is why the author of Hebrews says what he does in chapter 12. Remember this? He says, throw off everything that entangles you. 
everything that trips you up, everything that ensnares you as we run the race of life, he says, just fix your eyes on Jesus. This is the Christian life. And it's so easy for us to swerve away from following Jesus when our eyes are just all over the place looking at everything but him. And so every day it's a discipline of just locking our eyes on our Savior and allowing him to envision us as we walk through the everyday stuff of life. And I just want you to know, every single one of you, God has a vision for your life. And he has a desire to use you in great ways to advance the gospel, to help people meet Jesus, to do acts of mercy, to serve and to love like him. The question is, is are you willing to grab that vision and follow him in it by living as a servant? Are you willing? Jesus was. And we try to be like our Jesus. And the only reason that any of us have salvation is because Jesus said yes. He says, I'm willing, I'm willing to serve not to be served, but to serve. And I, for one, I'm just trying. Like, this is my life as a man. I'm just trying to be like my Jesus and just say yes to God. Whatever he might do, however he might break in, whatever he might say, I just try and put my yes on the table and say anything, anytime, anywhere. And this doesn't mean, like, you have to embrace this and all of a sudden you gotta quit your job and become a monk or a nun or something like that. But what it means is that you live where you are with a gospel vision. And so maybe you're a kindergarten teacher. Here's what I would say. Be a great kindergarten teacher. Do it well. Work hard. And as you live as a great kindergarten teacher, do it with a view of the gospel and seeing people in light of the gospel. You might be a crazy entrepreneur, a great businessman, but you could have a gospel vision that affects the way that you do business and shape your, your companies and do all these things. Guys, it's about a gospel vision. I was talking to a guy, a business guy in our church the other day. He's got a successful business, he's got a great career, and he's, he's kind of been wrestling for the last couple years, grabbing this idea of a gospel vision for his life. And he was just like, man, I can't, I mean, I'm just making a bunch of money, I'm spinning my wheels, my kids have everything, like, it's great, but is this really what my life is about? And as he spent time in the word and in prayer, he was just like, I don't think this is what my life is about. And he's convinced, rightly so, that God has so much more for him to be part of here. It's so much more than him making a bunch of money and leaving a financial legacy for his kids. And he started to see, as he got to this place, he started to look around Madison, he started to look around the world, and he started to see real needs in our city and all around the world. And he didn't just see it and do the classic Christian thing of like, hmm, there it is. But he acted. Something that a lot of us as Christians, we don't do really well. We hear the words of the Bible and then we just kind of walk away and be like, that was good for somebody, right? And you walk away. He started acting. He's involved in the life of our city. He's helping food banks in Madison to alleviate starving people in our city. He's got his eyes for some reason on Haiti and Belize and he's going there to build partnerships with the local people there to equip them to escape poverty. He's just leveraging his life as a servant for the glory of God and the good of the people of the world. Guys, I wanna be like that. Do you? I wanna be like that. A vision that goes way beyond myself. This is the vision of the Christian life as a servant. It takes vision. The second principle of ministry is this. It's not just about vision, 
But ministry requires flexibility. All right, look at verse six. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. Now skip down to verse 12. Now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to visit with you with the other brothers, but it was not at all his will to come now. He will come when he has opportunity. Doxy, here's what I want you to see. Paul was not a rigid man. He was flexible. He was a man that was sensitive to God's movement in his moments, and he did his best to follow God's leading in his life, even if it required him to pivot with his plans. And if you live long enough, all right, you'll learn one of great, the great life lessons that we all have or you're learning right now, and it's this, is that the future does not always come together as we think. Amen? I mean, I'm living this right now. But what do we do in those moments when things change, things don't work out as we've planned? If we've been watching Paul do ministry as we've been going through the book of 1 Corinthians, as we studied through the book of Acts, he's trying his best to be flexible and sensitive to God and his leading. And he says, if you look back, perhaps, perhaps I'll stay with you or even spend the winter. And he says, wherever I may go. Docs, I just need you to see this. Paul was open-handed with his life. Open-handed with his life. He trusted God. He realized that God is good, he's sovereign, he knows best, and he wanted to live in that sweet spot of just following God, even if it made him not be able to have like a five or a 10-year plan. Do you have one of those? You got a five-year plan? A 10-year plan? Plans for like a a family, a career, retirement, finances, all that stuff. You, You have those? Many of us do, right? And I want you to know, those aren't inherently bad. Planning is is good, it's stewardship, but here's the question. Are you willing to follow God in a different direction if he breaks into your life and calls you to a different thing? Are you willing? Massive question. For Paul, the answer was yes. He was a servant and he wanted to do the Lord's work. He was flexible. And we saw this clearly when we went through the book of Acts last year, right? You remember at the end or the middle of Acts chapter 15, what happened with Paul? Him and Silas and Timothy, they set off, they have these, these great ministry plans. They're gonna go visit a bunch of churches that Paul started, this great godly plan. But things happened, doors were shut, they weren't able to do it, the Holy Spirit directed them elsewhere, They weren't able to accomplish anything that they set out to do, and they ended up in this random place called Macedonia, a place that they never intended to go. But then the beauty of it is because they were flexible with their lives and their plans, and they sought to follow God and to honor God, they show up in this place that they never expected to go, Macedonia. They didn't know why they were there, and they start the very first church in Europe. And this is the only reason we're sitting here. It just exploded from there. They had no plans to go there. God directed their path. They were flexible. They show up. They start a church that literally changed the world. He wanted to be led by the Spirit, and he was open-handed with his life. And now, guys, here's what I love. I love that this is not Paul being like a superstar Christian. Do you know that? He was not a superstar Christian. There aren't any superstar Christians. There's faithful Christians. Paul was just faithful But this isn't him being a superstar, he's just being faithful and I love that I see this. I have friends in this church. I wanna give you two examples. A lot of you guys know Adam and Aubrey Wolber. 
right? They came here to help us start Doxa Church. Just moved here on a whim and just were engaged in ministry and serving to start Doxa. We announced that God's leading us to plant another church and go to Ann Arbor. And we said, hey, some of you should do that. Some of you should sell your house, find a new job, and just go. Adam and Aubrey, they heard this, and it was like, no, I'm good. I got a dream job. We just bought a house. We're going to adopt a kid, start a family. We already got the paperwork going. The money's on the table. Like, it's, we're, we're in a great sweet spot. We love Madison. Some of our best friends are here. We're good. And God broke in. And Adam was sitting in a chair over there, as I recall the story, and just felt like God said, go. It made no sense. And then Aubrey caught the bug. I don't know if I should call the Holy Spirit a bug, but you know what I mean? (laughs) And they were just in a place where God was moving them. And the question was, are we gonna be flexible and faithful? And they said yes, and they're on their way out to Ann Arbor to see a new gospel work start. I have another friend named Miranda in our church. And throughout COVID, she just kind of was envisioned by, man, how could God use me? Like, what am I doing? She's got like 30 kids. She's just like always running around. And, but she's still thinking, how? How might God want to use me? And God said, well, I've made you a tremendous baker. What if you started a business right now? Add more craziness to your life, and here's what you should do. Give all the money away to mission. She put her yes on the table and said, okay. Her life got even more crazy, and she just started giving away all this money, all to see people meet Jesus. Here's the point. There are things that God has laid on your heart to do. Every single one of us. Ministry to do. People to serve. Work to be done. Are you listening and willing to act? Or have you kind of like heard that, kind of felt that, it kind of freaked you out, made you feel uncomfortable, so you just kind of tucked it away because it doesn't fit your life plan? Ministry, service, the Christian life is about being flexible to the Holy Spirit. Paul demonstrated this. And guys, if we live like this and we're willing to just put our yes on the table and be flexible with our lives and open-handed with our lives and our plans, guys, we would see God do amazing things in our midst. We would see a heightened work of God both in us and through us and great joy would abound. The third principle of ministry is this. Ministry involves making the most of our time. All right, verse seven. For I do not want to see you now just in passing, I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. All right, notice this about Paul. His desire was to stay for some time with the Corinthians because he knew that if he was going to accomplish anything worthwhile, he couldn't just pass through, wave, and then head out. Paul knew that ministry takes time and intentionality. All right, they needed to be present. He needed to be with these people He needed to be in relationship, and his efforts needed to be sustained there for a time if he was going to see anything happen. And I think this is why he says, I want to stay for the winter. There's a season there. But I want you to hear this. It's not just spending a lot of time doing ministry. It's not just spending a lot of time like doing gospel work and serving a lot, but it's using our time well. All right, because just consider this. 
If you look at Jesus in his earthly ministry, it lasted about three years. Not a very long time, three years, but at the end of his ministry, Jesus could say in John chapter 17 that he glorified the Father and accomplished every work that had been given to him. He used his time well. Paul, likewise, he only spent three years in Ephesus as he started that church. He spent less than two years in Corinth. He spent a couple weeks in Thessalonica. But the time he spent there, how he lived his life was very intentional and very purposeful. And I imagine that he used the words that he wrote in Ephesians chapter 5 to speak to himself all the time. Take a look. It's going to come up here on the screen. Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk. I can picture Paul saying this to himself. Look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. Paul used his limited amount of time on this earth to glorify God and to love others just like Jesus. And Doc said, this is the question that I want to put in front of all of us today. Are we using our time well for bringing glory to God and good to others? Because we all have a limited amount of time. You get married, you have even less time. You start popping out kids, it's all gone, right? Your job, your promotions, your all this stuff, we have a limited amount of time. Are we using it well for the glory of God? And as you think about this, we need to know that God is constantly opening doors of ministry for us. All the time throughout our lives. He's intersecting our lives with people. He brings opportunities into our lives. But the question is, are we watching for those open doors? Are we willing to walk through them? If we have a perspective on life like Paul that causes us to want to use our time wisely for the glory of God and the good of others, if we don't have this perspective, we will likely miss those doors. We will likely miss those people. We will likely miss those opportunities. And I'm convinced that we miss doors all the time because we're just consumed with ourselves. And we use our time very poorly in a self-oriented way rather than a kingdom-oriented way. And so are we using our time wisely, Doxa? Let's talk about this stuff in connection group. Be real. Ask questions. How do you do this? How do you manage your life? How do you have like a gospel vision? This is worth asking because God wants to use you. He wants to use all of us in great ways. And it's my prayer that we wouldn't get in the way of what God might want to do. So vision, flexibility, making the most of our time. And number four, and this is massive for us to understand, is that ministry is all about the Lord's work. Look at verse 10. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. All right, Paul and Timothy were doing the work of the Lord. And this is actually what he told the Corinthians to do at the end of chapter 15 in light of the resurrection. Look back to verse 58 of chapter 15. He says, therefore, because of the resurrection, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And so Paul says he is doing the work of the Lord, and then he tells us in light of the resurrection of Jesus that we should always be doing the work of the Lord. And so what is this thing, right? What is this thing of the work of the Lord that we're to always be doing? I'm glad you asked. Look, guys, Doxa, the work of the Lord is basically about two things. It's about evangelizing and edifying. 
Evangelizing means sharing the gospel with those that don't know Jesus, and edifying means teaching those people who do know Jesus to live faithfully. And when we look at the life and the ministry of Jesus, we see both of these things just as primary markers of his entire life. For example, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Has there been anybody lost in here that found Jesus and Jesus found you? This is the primary goal of Jesus, to find those that are lost, that are affected by sin, to save them, to give them away to the Father. He came proclaiming the gospel, evangelizing. But in addition to this, he also carefully taught his disciples consistently to follow God. In Acts chapter one, verse three, before Jesus ascended into heaven, he was teaching them all things concerning the kingdom of God. So Jesus preached the gospel to those who didn't know him and he taught those who did. This is the work of the Lord, evangelizing and edifying. And this is what Paul and Timothy were all about and what we're trying to be all about here at Doxa. We preach to the lost and we teach the saved. And this isn't a new thing that Doxa is just like, man, we are really smart and on the cusp of something brilliant, guys. This is the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. It's gonna come up here on the screen. Look, if you've been in the church, you know this. Go therefore, and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right, this is evangelism. Bringing people to know Jesus, crossing from death to life, being baptized to show that they had been made new. But then what else? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is edification. Evangelizing, edifying. And Paul says in verse 58 of chapter 15 that since the resurrection is a reality, this work is not in vain, and this is the most important work that we could possibly do. Doctor, this is the most important work that we can possibly do. Sharing the gospel, evangelizing, and our lives, teaching, equipping the saints for ministry, teaching them to live like Jesus. So maybe you hear that and you think, okay, in order to do that, something's gonna have to change in my life. New job, Something like that. I need to become a pastor, a missionary, I don't know. No, not at all. Some of you, maybe that's what God's calling you to be. Some of you, maybe God's stirring your heart to be a pastor, church planner, missionary, whatever, and you should follow God in that. But most of you, here's what this means for you. You need to live with intentionality in the everyday stuff of life. God has you in your job for a reason. Work hard at it. Excel in it, but do it prayerfully and intentionally. Look for open doors of ministry as you're in your office space, as you're going and making these calls, as you're engaging with different types of people. See, the Great Commission, guys, is accomplished on the way as you go through the ordinary stuff of your life. And so when you're at your job, you're working hard, you're giving God glory because you're being a good worker. You're, you're doing Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work as though working for the Lord and not for men. But as you work, you're looking for opportunities to share the gospel and to build up the Christians around you, to follow and love and obey Jesus. And I love that this is happening all over the place. Guys, this is ministry. Ministry is not me getting up on the stage on Sundays. That's my job, right? This is what I, I do. But ministry is like us going out in the everyday stuff of life with a gospel intentionality. And I love that this is happening. There's a woman in our church named Tammy. She works in a school. 
Not engaged in like vocational ministry. But she is a great worker. People at her school love her. She seeks to live in a way where she's just like loving people, serving people, doing what Christians should do. And she builds friendship. And she built a friendship with this girl who's been, and I think I remember this story, right, that been in the States for like around five years, came from East Asia. And she was building a friendship with her. And then she started talking about the most important thing in her life, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And she started sharing the gospel with this girl. And I had the opportunity to meet her just a couple weeks ago as she came to Doxa, and she's like, yeah, Tammy just loved me, and she gave me, I'm, she just gave me Jesus. And I'm trying to figure out what this means for my life right now. Because this is what it's all about, the work of the Lord. And finally, ministry involves a variety of people, and I want you to hear this one, okay? Verse 10 and 11, look, when Timothy comes, See that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace, that he may return to me, for I'm expecting him with the brothers. All right, Paul understood that God uses a variety of people to accomplish his work and mission in our world. And in this section, if you look, Paul mentions, he mentions Timothy, Apollos, the brothers. Next week, he's going to talk about Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus and a couple other families. And while we don't know a ton about these people, we know that they were very important to Paul. But here's what I want you to understand. All right, Paul wasn't a one-man show. Ministry was not about him. It was not about him making himself look good and just like putting himself out there as like, I am the greatest minister and servant in the world. But it was all about Jesus and him working through a variety of people. And Paul noticed this. And we know this is actually how Paul felt because he says he really wanted Apollos to come. And that doesn't seem like anything big, but I just want you to consider back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians. Remember all the divisions that were happening? Some people were like, man, I like Apollos. I like Paul. I like Cephas. Paul knew that Apollos coming, that there were going to be people in the church that are being like, man, Paul or Apollos is way better than Paul. Paul kind of weirds me out. He's got that eye thing, you know, Apollos. You know, he's a way better preacher, a way better leader. And if Paul was looking out for his self-interest and acting selfishly, he would have made sure that Apollos never went back to Corinth. But Paul wasn't concerned with being in the spotlight. He wasn't concerned with having everybody think that he was the best. He just wanted the work of the Lord to be done, and he wanted people to meet Jesus, and he realized that this is a team effort. I felt this just two years ago. David Livingston. We were going to hire him, and we're like, man, this is going to be great. Like, he's a great, gifted preacher. He's a good leader. Come here. This is going to push forward the gospel in Madison. And I remember being like, offering the job, and then it clicked on me. I'm like, David's cooler than you. (laughs) David's smarter than you. There's going to be people that really like David's preaching more than yours. And sure, I can beat him in arm wrestling, but no one cares about that, right? You know? But I remember thinking, this is going to affect me. But then I also had that gospel thought of like, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus and people meeting him. Bring him. And praise the Lord for doing that. Now, I want you to also consider Timothy for a moment, okay? Because when we consider God using a variety of people, Timothy was a young leader that traveled with Paul. And if you look back to verse 10, here's what Paul says. When Timothy comes, put him at ease, for he's doing the Lord's work. Let no one despise him. 
All right, Timothy was just a young but naturally timid man. And that's why Paul has all to say all these things about him throughout the Bible because Timothy was just filled with fear. He says to put him at ease when he shows up. And we learn from other letters that Timothy was not only young and timid, but he was physically frail. He had stomach aches. And so he's young, timid, frail, his belly box hurt all the time. This was Timothy. And people were looking at Timothy and being like, Paul, why in the world would you pass to the baton of faith in ministry onto this kid? It makes no sense. Why would you send a weak boy here? And Paul says, man, I know what you're thinking. Like, that makes sense. That's the way that, like, the pagans view this. But he's doing the work of the Lord. He's doing it. And God has called him to this task. And he might be young, he might be timid, he might be frail, but he's willing to do the work of the Lord. And even in the midst of all of his fears, he's still engaged in ministry and service. And here's what I'll say to us. One of the reasons that many people don't engage in ministry is because they're fearful. A lot of you, me, we don't follow God into those times of ministry and open doors because we're afraid. We're afraid that we're not going to fit in. We're afraid that we're going to fail. We're not going to be accepted. People are going to make fun of us, mock us. Timothy felt this. Can you imagine how fearful he was walking into uh, Corinth? He's like, these, are the, these people are strong. They're loud. They're opinionated. They gave my boss, my mentor, my friend Paul a really, really hard time. If they did that to him, they're going to chew me up and spit me out. He was full of fear as he walked in there. A great fear of rejection. And this is one of the debilitating things in the life of a Christian as we think about our involvement in ministry. People are afraid. We need to have courage like Paul, we need to realize that the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead in chapter 15 is living in us. The spirit that pushed Paul and Timothy forward to these open doors where there is a lot of opposition to understand that the work of the Lord is us being faithful, but God's going to do it. Amen? And so sometimes, guys, you get up here and you, I, I say stuff that doesn't even make sense and God moves and it's like, oh, wow, that was great. Right? It's about being faithful and being empowered by the spirit. And Paul understood that this is a family affair. At the end of chapter, uh, the last chapter in Romans, Paul lists out 24 different people that were vitally important to him in ministry. 24 people. And there's a woman in there named Phoebe, who again, many people don't know about. But Paul says that she was a great help to many people, including himself. Phoebe was absolutely vital to ministry, but no one even really knows about her. And Doxa, the majority of us will live our lives without anybody really knowing about us except for our immediate circle of influence. But at the end of the day, it will be enough for our tombstone to read. They were a great help to many people. They served. How about that for a vision for your life, Doxa? A great help to many people. This is God's desire for us. He uses a variety of people for the work of ministry. You look around a room like this. So many people, different skill sets, different occupations, one God, one spirit, one power, work of ministry. 
You need to know that there's work that God has for you, and only you can do it. And one of my great desires as one of the pastors here at DOCSA is to help you find out what that work is and empower you and equip you to help you to mobilize and go and do that work. Because it's the family of God moving forward together that great things happen. So let me ask you this as I'm out of time. One question. Which one of these principles stood out to you? Grab that. Talk about it at Connection Group this week. What is God trying to say to you? What is one small step of obedience that you, obedience that you can respond to God and what he is sharing through this section in 1 Corinthians? Grab that one thing. Lean in for the glory of God and the good of Madison. And the only reason, guys, this makes any sense is because this is in the aftermath, the wake of the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus is alive and well, the gospel is real and true. And so we leverage our lives so that people can know him. Let's pray. God, we we love you. And I thank you that as I watch Paul do ministry, it makes me think of my friend Andy who lived that way towards me and how you used him to help me come to Jesus. And God, all of our stories in here, for those of us who are Christians, involve somebody that had like a vision and flexibility and like a a good use of their time and understanding of the Lord's work that all of us have a story of somebody who brought the gospel to us that you used. And God, we just wanna be those people that we would be involved in other people's stories. And so would you just help us to be a church that would understand our position as servants and that we would truly just love you and love people. We just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm gonna invite you to stand. We're We're gonna sing a new song today. This song is called Jesus Over Everything. And guys, the only way, reason it makes sense for any of us to live like we just watched Paul. It's because it's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. And Jesus' name is above all. It's always about Jesus. And we're gonna sing this song to remind us that it is about Jesus. And as we sing this song, it's gonna stir in us a remembrance of the gospel that saved our lives, that changed our lives but then also it's gonna orient our lives that as we walk out of here, we realize that this life is not about Rob Warren, but it's all about Jesus. And my posture as a Christian is just to be a servant and say, Jesus, yes, anything, anytime, anywhere, send me, I'll go. So let's sing this together as a family.